You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Podcast Australia, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful tech leaders in Australia. I'm Mira. I help connect businesses with tech talent, and today I'm your host. Welcome back to the Evolution Exchange Podcast. Today, I'm joined by some of Sydney's top thought leaders to discuss the topic of balancing legacy systems and technological advancements within the Australian engineering industry. Before we jump into the questions, it would be great to meet our panellists. I'll start with you, Alex. Can you please introduce yourself and kick things off? Hi, Mira. Um, so I'm Alex Lassonier. Uh, I'm Group Manager IT Innovation and Architecture at Coates. Um, so Coates is the largest industrial equipment uh, solution provider in Australia. We've got about 2,000 staff and 150 branches, about a million pieces of assets. So my role uh, in IT well, it's pretty much to keep my IP honest, uh, to be honest. But uh, I, wo- I work pretty much around tech, so uh, technology uh, portfolio management, technology selection, uh, and I've got a small tech lab for emerging technology. Uh, also, everything about data and data governance and cybersecurity. Awesome. Thanks for that, Alex. And Zach, do you want to introduce yourself? Yes, Amira. Um, so my name is Zach. I'm the engineering manager at Smarter City Solutions. Um, Smart City Solution is like, you can think about it as a one-stop uh, shop for everything that is related to parking, uh, city councils, universities, and more. Um, we have three main products. Uh, just a quick one, you know, the V, the v permit, which is um, basically replace all the stickers on the windows and we basically digitize uh, all the permits. Uh, we have the V compliance for managing the full life cycle uh, of parking enforcement from scanning the license plate to issuing infor- uh, infringement, sending reminders letter, and of course, fine payments, uh, and pay by phone, which basically allows you to pay for your parking um, from, your mo- from your phone, from your mobile. So you only pay for the duration that you park, yeah. Uh, and you don't need to guess for how long you're going to, to stay in the parking <laughs> spot. Yeah. Um, no, that's great. Yeah, one of the things that uh, is very interesting for me personally, and also I find it very much relevant to smarter citizen, is, is the amount the amount of data that or data that uh, is out there, uh, and how we can utilize it to provide better solutions to our customers. Um, as you can guess, the parking history, the parking industry um, has a lot of data uh, that is collected, um, but also from a lot of legacy systems. Yeah, um, which you know, this is one of the challenges that we deal with uh, today. No, amazing. Thanks, Zach, and thanks for a little insight into Smarter City as well. Um, Iftika, if you would like to go next. Sure. Thanks, Mary. Uh, my name is Iftika Hassan. Uh, uh, I work in uh, CFS, uh, which is a co- like a colonial first debt. And uh, my role is here as a uh, technical manager. So a bit of context about CFS. Uh, CFS uh, very recently divested from CBA, uh, and it used to be a technical, sorry, it used to be a wealth management part of CBA. So where uh, now we are in uh, on our own with a single business entity, and what it provides actually, CFS provides all that uh, a wealth, uh, wealth business uh, sort of uh, functionalities to around millions of our customers where you want uh, to invest money or you want to have a super and or you want to save for your retirement. So that sort of uh, services that CFS provides through its digital and also non-digital 
component. So uh, my role as a technical manager, I actually looks after around 50 engineers who work on that digital uh, servicing functionality. So which the platform that we have called FirstNet. Uh, it is a 20 year old for uh, applications and platforms and we have been doing a lot of, uh, you know, modernizations of it and we had to go through a lot of challenges. So probably one or two I'll be sharing with you guys today. And uh, yeah, it's a big team, uh, big platform. And I basically, then every day I work with engineers, uh, solve their problems and also uh, people manage them. Yeah, amazing. Thanks so much, Iftika. And last but not least, Aaron, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. My name is Aaron Newton. I work at Deloitte, uh, which is a massive professional services organization uh, worldwide. Uh, specifically, I work in the platform engineering business uh, as part of core business operations or CBO. Uh, it's part of a, a wider group of service providers uh, that covers data analytics, uh, cloud engineering, security, risk advisory, uh, data and analytics, um, really across a, a broad range of services. And uh, I guess specifically what I do is oversee teams of people working on projects uh, across a range of industries. So examples include uh, digital banking, uh, working on health, um, really a lot of government services come through uh, our, our platform and uh, engineering practice. And uh, yeah, I guess I'm really passionate about that. Yeah, perfect. Well, great. Let's dive into our first question, which is brought forward by Alex. So if you'd like to kick things off with your question, Alex. Yep, thank you. Um, so coming from architecture, I'm going to ask an architecture question. <laughs> um, so the question is, how do you determine a number of things. So first one is the value of replacing system. So the value part of that. Second one is the true cost of advancing technology. The third one is when the tech is going to become valuable and provide value. And the last one is how long do you have to wait till you have to say stop if it's not providing any value? Yeah, perfect. Aaron, do you want to jump in and contribute to that? Yeah, I think this is an awesome question. Uh, so in terms of determining the value of replacing systems, uh, I guess you would need to have some sort of way to actually measure this. Um, so you'd have to do analysis to say, well, you know, what are the current problems? Uh, what kind of problems are the current stakeholders trying to solve? Um, what kind of hurdles are there? Um, I would also say have some way to measure an outcome. So if you're replacing a system, you want to know how it's going probably want to measure the current system too. So put those metrics in place. Uh, in terms of the true cost of advancing technology, very tricky. Um, you know, you'd have to look at uh, a great example is uh, we look at moving uh, cloud from on-premises to cloud a lot. Uh, so it's a matter of figuring out exactly what's there, um, you know, what capabilities they need to have. Uh, something that often gets overlooked is the cost of actually running those, uh, those services ongoing or, and having a team that is skilled up in, you know, looking at ongoing costs. Uh, in terms of saying, you know, how do we know when to say stop or not? Uh, my advice there or my learning there would be keep the scope of your uh, migration or change manageable um, and have, you know, keep it to say a, a new product or um, some specific product 
where you can easily easily measure and say hmm, this is not working out um you know you have an analysis and evaluate cycle you know you're going into the adopt cycle so adopt it in a place where the blast radius is limited um and you know the biggest outcome could be a learning and say oh here's what we learned for the next time or you know if it works we can say here's what went well here's what didn't we learned from it and then we can uh you know look at adopting that technology more widely um, and my other piece of advice there is, uh, you know, talk to people who may have already done this. So, you know, the benefit of working in an organization like the one I do is mm -hmm. I can reach out um, and see what's been done on other projects. Um, so, you know, you could engage a consulting firm or if, you know, you have a wider network of people who have already done similar projects, you could you could reach out to them. Yeah, awesome. Uh, yeah, no, I agree with everything that Darren said. I just, um, you know, one of the things that I look at you know if we want to move to um to, to migrate from a legacy system into a new one as aaron said like the um what is the benefit for the business basically um that, that's one of the thing um you know if you're going to lower the cost um, of using the, the legacy by moving uh, to a new system or, or maybe you know increase the uh, increase the revenue um by moving to, to new um to new um, system. Um, one of the things that is important, uh, I think, and, and I hope I'm, I'm right here with, with that question is um, the ability to grow. Uh, every business would like to, to grow. Um, and or in, in the engineering world, basically is to scale up. Uh, and with, with legacy systems, um, sometimes you just can't do it. Um, and you know you have to to move to to new systems uh, that do support it. Um, and of course, there is also the, the human um, the human resource uh, um, aspect. But I think we'll talk about it a little bit later. Yeah, perfect. Iska, have you got anything to comment on that as well? Uh, yeah, look, uh, first of all, uh, Alex, uh, thank you for these great questions. And uh, so, really, it's I think it's the the most crucial questions that uh, business always ask the value that at the end of the day they want that what value I'm getting from replacing systems. We the engineer uh, do a lot of things for the fun, right? Oh, it's very exciting replacing a system, bring all the shiny tech stacks, and do all <laughs> this stuff. Very excited, pumped up. But if it doesn't generate any value, it's useless, completely useless. Right. So the way I see when we want to replace any system, I actually don't want to use the word replace. It's very strong. I would like to say the transform a system. Okay. And to generate the value, uh, uh, I think a bit of experience I can share with uh, our uh, you know uh, transformations and also in my personal view is that don't try to replace the whole system or transform the whole system in one go. Do a thorough analysis and pick the component of the module which is currently generating the maximum business value to our customers and try to transform that uh, in, into a modern uh, tech stack or in a modern technologies and don't just you know uh, make apple and another apple with a new skin uh, try to embed uh, new capabilities uh, new things which was not possible with the, with the legacy right and then uh, run it with the business. It's sort of like similar thing of continuous delivery, continuous you know improvement. It's like, to me, it's a continuous architecture as well. So you continuously move, right? And with the true cost of advancing technology, look, technology is always expensive. 
and uh, but the thing is that if with the process that you know continue uh, iteratively if we can show some values then it's easy to you know get uh, justify the cost of advancing technology so uh, then business will not complain but unless otherwise business sees any value and you keep asking for money okay now i need to change this now i need to change that system they get frustrated so they go away and i'm i'm okay with my legacy system that at least generating some value to my business mm. right yeah and how long we need to stop it uh, in in software engineering world my experience is we never know we never know when you start something right we always uh, have to uh, start our journey to the unknown and then we uh, measure our progress and stop somewhere uh, possibly and the same again uh, you measure your progress and your value uh, with a very short cycle and uh, don't hesitate to throw away things which doesn't work so the principle that we do is that we only only do the things which start which works not because someone else did it and not because it is the uh, most uh, you know uh, used buzzword in the market at this moment so <laughs> just use your common sense and if it doesn't work for you just throw it don't don't spend don't waste your money anymore yeah no perfect alex is that sort of in agreement with everyone or have you got anything to contribute there as well uh no no good uh, i would say sometimes you've got the politics of a business as well uh where it's yeah hard to stop things when you've spent a few millions already on it <laughs> but, no yeah. Yeah, awesome. No, thanks everyone for those contributions. Next, we've got Zach, who's going to ask a little bit more about everyone's insights into different approaches. So if you'd like to start with your question, Zach. Yeah, thank you. Um, that's actually uh, continued to what Iftikhar said about uh, you're not going to move or you're not going to migrate the entire system or, or system that you have in place uh, into new technology and uh, you know new, new approach. So Basically, what is your approach for communicating or integrating between legacy systems and modern ones? He'd like to kick things off. <laughs> yeah, I'll be brief. Um, so I guess my go-to answer here is uh, make sure you put in a layer of abstraction or an anti-corruption layer. Um, so, you know, use like an API gateway for this purpose or APIM for this purpose to say, here is a set of legacy APIs. I'm going to provide an abstraction layer for them. Um, you can even potentially build uh, almost like a back end for front end where you provide some additional functionality. Maybe you have a SOAP API and you could abstract it uh, as a JSON API on the, on the front end of that. Um, so what you want to, the point where you want to get to is even if you have maybe an API gateway that has a single API behind it. If you provide that abstraction layer, you can begin to peel it off into say microservices. Um, that's a fairly specific answer, but I've found that approach to be very effective in the past and it gives you the agility you need. Um, so you have your front end systems communicating with some target, uh, target back end front end state or you know, target API contract uh, for your new integration, but you can abstract away via that, that layer your backend APIs, which may have, you know, legacy protocols, for example. Mm. That's assuming that the legacy system can do it, half of what you you were just talking about. Sometimes the whole that <laughs> yeah, Alex. Yeah, we've got a similar problem uh, with an ERP uh, the architecture. Uh, you wouldn't get any kind of APIs out of that. 
so we've been integrating the past with SQL pretty much uh, and uh, change data capture just to get changes. Uh, if we were to put APIs and a whole bunch of stuff on top of that, uh, it's going to die. So we need to protect it. Uh, so what, we, what, what we've been doing is exactly what you said, but a bit different. Uh, so going to kind of a mini service architecture, and uh, we are introducing uh, event-driven architecture. So we've selected technologies called Solace that's used by banks uh, that can have a big payload. So here it's not kind of just saying something has changed. You have a new state going with it and you can have your mini services as subscribers and replicate the data locally. So then you don't pretty much hit your ERP too much with that. So you're democratizing the, the data for all the other system. That's the approach we, we're trialing at the moment. Yeah, okay. Thanks for that, Alex. Ithaca, anything to comment on that? Uh, no, actually, second to Jack's uh, comments on, uh, sorry, uh, Aaron's comments on that uh, gateway. Uh, we exactly uh, had the same uh, problem, same problem that when we were transforming our this massive monolithic uh, uh, platform into a modern microservice-based uh, uh, solutions, where we we didn't have neither we have budget nor we have time to import all the functionalities within our APIs. And we had to communicate between two systems, modern and uh, legacies, right? So mm -hmm. we ended up with having uh, our a, a gateway, we call it like front proxy. Uh, so it becomes sort of a uh, security gateway for all of our API and then uh, middleman between UI and, and the backend system. And uh, obviously we had that, uh, back and forth front end layer, which we rename it like an experience layer. We like to think that this API gives the experience to uh, the different type of clients. And then on underneath, we have the domain API, or we call it platform API, which basically uh, provides a generic business functionality based on uh, the domain. So uh, that's having said that, that's basically uh, a, a sort of uh, breaking the systems into different layer. But one of the major challenges is that when you want to extract out any uh, service out of your legacy systems, it's the most difficult problems to decide what is the bounded context you want to uh, mm. come up with. Uh, yeah, and that's honestly thing that's the most confusing. And we made mistakes. We think that, oh, okay, this looks similar. These are the things. So let's port this functionality into this API. Then that's two. Two, uh, two possibilities here. Either you uh, accumulate all these uh, unrelated functionalities within that API uh, and mess up with your context, or you import very less, and then uh, you see that, oh, in the future, this API is not providing you enough functionalities that you're supposed to have within that one, and then you have to possibly uh, rework on it. Uh, so that's, the, that's a design problem, architecture problem. Uh, but yeah, I agree with uh, Aaron. That's the only way I think so far uh, to communicate with uh, or integrating with uh, legacy and modern systems. No, great. Thanks so much, everyone, for all your answers there. Really awesome. Um, another great question. We have a few questions actually from Ithaca coming up. So if you wanted to read out some of them for us. Yeah, definitely. Look, uh, based on my 
uh, experience. So we are we are a bit scarred and bruised with uh, transforming and uh, <laughs> legacy systems. And um, from engineering uh, manager perspective, uh, my questions are that: How do you actually manage skills uh, required to maintain an outdated legacy systems? So. Uh, that's one of the problems that I had to resolve uh, and I'm still resolving. Uh, second thing is that uh, we see that when uh, legacy systems uh, are in place, we still have to manage and provide support that requires legacy skills. So what challenges you, fa- you have faced or you're still facing uh, in attracting or retaining the engineers uh, who have those skills? Uh, to support the legacy systems, right? And also, another aspect of the legacy system is that when you uh, deploy your new, modern, shiny systems, it actually sometimes shocks your user, right? Mm-hmm. So what what's your uh, strategy and what are the measurements that you have taken to onboard your user to get used to with your new system? Okay. Yeah. I can go first. Um, I think that I don't think I have good um, good <laughs> answer for, for for your question or not a good experience with that. I can tell you that from my experience, it's very very difficult to recruit people to work on legacy systems. Um, the first legacy system was developed using all technology. Uh, most people uh, are growing with the technology and leaving the old ones behind. Um, most likely without any intention to come back to it, right? It's all that I want to do with it. Um, all the new flashy stuff. Yeah, and you know, if I'm if I'm talking now as an engineer, um, you know, as an engineer, most of us would like to learn new skills, new technology. Of course. Uh, be challenge, be challenged, and stay up to date with with the market. Um, and I. I can tell you that I know about several projects that uh, were developed by, by using old technology uh, technologies um, and they, they were shut down uh, and not because they didn't bring money to the company, um, but because the company couldn't find engineers to support them. Um, we would try to recruit people uh, to join the teams and it was very difficult. We, we couldn't find people to join and, and support the old technology. Um, and if even if we were we were able to to recruit someone, most of the time the engineers would would not stay for a long time in that role. If they don't see a growth, if they don't see you know future for for that, if they don't learn something new, most likely they will not uh, stay. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, that that's the the current situation in, in the market, and we all have not not all. I don't think in in my current uh, company uh, we don't have any legacy. Um, a lot of legacy system. We need to communicate with external one, yes. Um, mm. Basically, we are modern and we are on AWS. Um, but in previous companies where we had legacies and code that was written in the 90s and the early 20, uh, 2000, <laughs> really hard to recruit people. Yeah. So, did you have Did you have something to comment there, Alex? Yeah. Well, we we've got one instance where we are. It's a dealing with a problem somewhat. Um, so we had a particular department uh, who went to be kind of, I would say, solo uh, 25 years ago to build their own system. And they used, uh, I would call that like a low code platform for the time that's called Gupta. 
people wouldn't have heard about that. Um, definitely legacy. Uh, and, and I would say you've got perhaps two, two sides of a problem. So it's either you've got the person who built or used that system still there after 25 years, which is our case. Uh, and then the other one where potentially that person leaves and you need to do something about that and recruit someone. Uh, I would say the latter, uh, pretty much like that, you, I would say you're doomed, you're not going to find anyone. And that may be the case where you have to take a particular hard decision about either you need to well, transform and do something else about that, or yeah, you just stop that, that, what the department is doing. So for us, um, it's been very hard to have a business case for it because it was a system built over 25 years. So you can imagine the IP into that. Um, so we actually invested in a new uh, low-code platform called OutSystems. And we about well, we already did a first release. We're using an agile uh, methodology. So not every feature has been there from the beginning, but we've pretty much rebuilt in one year what has been built over 25 years. And uh, the, per, the developer who's been there for 25 years, who was totally in denial because he thought <laughs> the position uh, was very safe there, is now uh, having to rethink what uh, his life is going to be. And uh, it's good that he selected to stay with the company and learn about the new system. So he's going to be supporting that. But you've got kind of a, a different problem potentially with that because our system, not a lot of developers are on the market. So that's part of technology selection is when you have actually people who can support that. Uh, mm -hmm. At the moment, we've got a partner, but it's an expensive partner. So we're not going, not sure how long we're going to stay with that. Uh, we had a plan to have a bit of a um, helix type of uh, development capability for that, where you have 100% system integrator and then you train people internally and then you move on to full ownership from us. Uh, it's been quite hard, especially with COVID, to recruit anyone on that platform. So at the moment, we are re reconsidering that, but it's good that our old developer is thinking and training on the new platform. Yeah, thanks, Alex. Have you had any kind of similar experiences, Aaron, at Deloitte, or what kind of challenges are you facing at the moment? Uh, yeah, I would say we have this experience all the time. Um, but uh, interestingly enough, because we're brought in to actually solve this problem. So I've worked on a number of projects, but it has been some legacy solution. And we talked before about, you know, how do you make the old systems talk to the new systems and, or really the other way around? Yeah. And that is that is a problem that we're generally brought in to solve. So, you know, my answer here would be it's going to be extremely difficult uh, to bring in staff to maintain legacy systems. Um, I keep seeing ads on Stack Overflow for COBOL engineers, um, <laughs> which I think is amazing. Um, so, yeah, if you're if you find yourself in this position, consider actually bringing in, you know, an agency or consultants uh, to consider migrating that system uh, if it's not skill, something your developers have the skills in already. Yeah, awesome. Ithaca, anything to comment from your side of things as well? Hello, thanks for the answers. Uh, sometimes the, actually the problem is uh, beyond uh, beyond uh, engineering controls. Uh, for example, I can give you an example that we have a system. The core of our uh, product manufacturing system is actually a, a, a mainframe system. 
where they run uh, a natural language which is like 40, 60 years old. And we still have to develop every day to uh, uh, you know create new members, new products, and all this stuff. Uh, yes, we are managing uh, like what Aaron was saying that being uh, agencies in uh, and then to solve some some of the problems. We are not replacing the system. What are we doing? We actually asking agencies to provide the resource uh, instead of we going to the market and hunting for the rare species i would say it's really rare species you don't get uh, a natural language developer nowadays anywhere so only thing that they can do is that we have to go to offshore to hire graduates who are willing to learn this and then work on it and then possibly two three years later they leave so that's how we are surviving uh, but it's it's a thing it's one of the biggest uh, challenges uh, at least from an engineering perspective yeah interesting Anyone else got anything to comment on that before we move on to Aaron's question? Oh, good. Perfect. So finally, last question of the podcast, which I think kind of ties everything in really nicely, um, put forward by everyone. So Aaron, if you'd like to kick off with the last question. Yeah, great. So my question is, what lessons have you learned about deprecation and or migration? <laughs> I can go first again. That's fine. <laughs> Take it away, um, Zach. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's an interesting question, which is relevant, which is relevant not only for legacy system but also to any new development. Um, many times, some you know some aspects or, or, or solutions that are needed during the migration, and again, or any other develop, new development, um, are common between companies. Um, and I know the passion uh, of the engineers to develop and build new solutions and everything is new and we can do everything and let us just do it. Um, but we need to make sure that we, you know, we're not, we don't uh, reinvent the wheel. Uh, and before we start the migration uh, of the legacy system, uh, we have to make sure that uh, there is no some, something very similar outside it uh, that we can, we can use it. So a research before doing, starting to do anything is super important uh, in that case. And actually, that reminds me uh, a story, um, a situation in one of my previous companies where we basically had to duplicate an old system and design a new one. Um, and you know how it is with the new, with the legacy systems. There is also resistance. There is always resistance to uh, to use any existing solutions. Uh, we can write everything ourselves. We we know what mm -hmm. to do. Um, so. Um, yeah, so we had this argument, um, and I always use the same sentence, and maybe you want to adopt it and use it as well. Um, <laughs> and basically, that works every time. Um, and basically, what I say to the you know to to the people, to the management, if I need to convince them to to use that uh, external resources or you know any any technology, use it calls it uh, different differently. Um, but what I say is, if I'm going to make the same mistake as and you know that could be any big uh, big name out there that uses that technology, um, like Google or Amazon, uh, or any other big company. Uh, so if I'm going to make the same mistake as you know, Google or Amazon uh, did, I can live with that. And basically, that puts a stop to the argument uh, because that gives like a real life example of using that technology, um, and basically. We can focus on the you know the business logic instead of reinventing reinventing uh, the wheel again. 
So this is my, from my experience, that's something that really helped us during the, the migration on one of the legacy systems in the past. Yeah, thanks, Zach. Thanks for that tip. Hopefully everyone can implement that at some point as well. Um, mm. Ithaca, did you have anything to sort of comment on on the lessons that you've learned at CFS? Yeah, definitely. Look, we we are, I think we have been the champion of migrations over the time. So, been so <laughs> many migrations going on and apparently so many stories to share. But I'll possibly, uh, uh, you know, boil down to one one lesson is that um, two things. One thing make sure that you onboard your stakeholders with expectations before any migrations. Uh, never promise uh, moon uh, or sun that, okay, it's going to be smooth, it's going to be, uh, you know, uh, like uh, rosy. <laughs> the expectation should be that uh, uh, there will be bumps in the road and uh, uh, we'll, we'll, we have that uh, risk mitigations approach to uh, handle that one. That's a number one. Number two is that concentrate on the configuration of your system. Don't concentrate on the code. I have never seen in my eight, 18 years of my experience that migration, after migration, things don't work because of the code. It's always things don't work because of your configurations because nobody pays attention to the configuration. That everyone is so focused on, okay, my code should be intact and should be tested. Yes, everyone write code and possibly test code, but when you migrate, no one tests their configurations. And that's where the things go wrong. And then everyone, uh, you know, goes uh, like, uh, hey, well, like, like, why things are not working? And then investigation goes from start from coding to server infrastructure network, so, uh, so on. And uh, last thing is that, uh, and never take the big chunk again. Possibly that ties back to the same first question: the big chunk <laughs> for the migration. Do the migrations piece by pieces. Isolate your uh, systems in an independent module so that you can migrate it. Uh, iteratively. Mm. No, thanks for that, Ipsica. And Alex, last but not least, to <laughs> jump in on Aaron's question there. Uh, I would agree with uh, everyone. Uh, perhaps uh, something to separate is when you have overshelf system that you're replacing. Uh, I'd say be careful with what vendor sells you. Uh, <laughs> do a bit of uh, due diligence there. Uh, yeah. Do embrace uh, the, the systems process and data architecture. That's the reasons why you're selecting that. Uh, your company is not special. <laughs> the platform uh, normally will implement some kind of um, uh, proper ways of doing things. Um, yeah, that's pretty much that. Uh, and yeah, so be sure not to kind of uh, change things because that's what, where you're going to have most of the cost and all the problem for support later. Uh, now, if you're especially doing some uh, migration to cloud uh, and things like that, um, perhaps two things. Um, automate first, script first, automate first, because you're going to do that many, many, many times. So don't do that at the end, do that at the beginning. The very first thing you do is a bit of script, you automate that. Don't forget that you have to migrate potentially some data as well, and that can be large, and probably with some transformation. So that's not a small thing to do. Do you think about your uh, integration? Because probably the most the most costly part of what you're doing is going to be the integration. Um, and 
uh, be sure that your tech team knows have uh, what well, have a clue about what they're doing with a new tech before they get started because otherwise you're going to get scrambling it's going to have a whole lot of problem and it's going to be far longer so do a bit of preps before with your with your team then get started yeah thanks so much for your tips there alex and aaron it'd be great to hear some of your lessons learned and your different projects at deloitte yeah, so I guess um, pretty much agree with everything that was just said. Uh, networking is always a thing that catches me off guard when we migrate something. Um, but I guess on top of that, I would add, um, keep in mind that your business will continue to operate as you're trying to do with the migration. Um, so what I mean by that is uh, you might want to consider having two teams, a migration team and a business as usual team um, for, that pro for that particular product. Because as you're trying to migrate, um, you know, issues may come up uh, with a legacy solution that you might need to resolve. Um, and often, you know, you went, if your migration is a particularly long one, you might wind up in a scenario saying, oh, cool, we, we patched that in the old system, which is currently live. Hmm. Okay, now we need to go back and implement this in the, in the <laughs> you know, new solution. And you end up in a bit of a cycle. And I guess on a related note, um, you know, structure your milestones in a way that it's clear when there's scope creep. Um, you don't want a migration to go on and on and on um, and increase in scope because you're just increasing risk. Uh, mm. So, you know, everyone wants that that small deliverable, that small stepping stone as part of their migration. So be very wary when you start to see scope creep of saying, hmm, do we actually complete this piece of work and then address that issue? Or do we address that issue and then do the? Yeah, it's a it's a balance. It's a difficult decision to make. Thanks, Aaron, for the great question and final comment there. We'll leave it there for now, but I just want to thank again Alex, Zach, Iftikhan, Aaron for joining me on the podcast and providing such interesting insights which surround such a relevant topic for today's senior managers on balancing legacy systems and technological advancements. Thank you all for listening and we'll see you next time on the installment of the Evolution Exchange.